Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Michelle Tillis Letterman, who has been named one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts. She's also the author of three books, including The 11 Laws of Likeability, and her latest book that we're going to be talking about, Nail the Interview, Land the Job. She's the CEO of Executive Essentials, a firm that provides custom communication and leadership training and coaching programs. Michelle's appeared on NBC, CBS, Fox, Gail King, and NPR, and she's also been featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Working Mother, U.S. News and World Report, Monster.com, USA Today, CNBC, and About.com. So welcome, Michelle. Thanks, Linda. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, Nailing Interview, Landing the Job, which I, I presume is it's a book I, I've read and I've actually recommended to, to people I know looking to change jobs. But one of the things I know you talk about that, that it relates to something that, that I've said in my book, Marketing Above the Noise, is that you have a personal brand. So tell me about, um, about your, your personal brand and why is that important when you're interviewing? Well, when you think about, you know, nail the interview, land the job, you can also think about it as nail, nail the client, you know, nail right. the business. <laughs> it's, it's really the concept of we are always being interviewed. We're always on. And we need to be really clear about how we want to be portrayed and perceived because people are going to talk about us when we leave the room, clearly with an interview, but also with, you know, getting the work. What do we want them to say? And so it's very critical for us to decide <laughs> what we want them to say so that we can infuse it into what we do. And I like to think of a personal brand as a promise, a promise of the experience that you'll have in working with, interacting with, and dealing with me. I think that's great because, um, yeah, again, and I, I love this idea that you're always on uh, because I think too many people think there's the interview and I have to dress up and I have to look good and then I go home and I – put something on Facebook about what I did for the weekend and, gee, why did that employer never call me back and are they looking at my Facebook account or looking at other things I'm saying and doing? So there's, there's this whole brand of you that isn't just limited to what people see in a formal situation. Absolutely. It's the consistency and it's the trust. I was talking recently to a group and this issue of trust came up. It's become a real buzzword in organizations about building trust because we have a lot of turnover happening. It's not the same as it was even 10, 20 years ago where people would think, oh, you can't jump around too much. You have to stay at least three years. Well, now it's almost like you've stayed three years. Why have you not moved? Right. <laughs> yeah, um, so there's a, re a real flip in the marketing of ourselves into the story that we're telling. So how does someone figure out what their brand is? That is the biggest challenge. And I will tell you, personally, it took me probably a month to figure out my three words. And one of the things I'll share with the audience is an activity called My Three Words. Okay. And you can have four and you can have two, but the idea is to get us thinking around what are the words we want to use to describe us. And you start with understanding what your strengths are. What do I already have going for me that I know that I feel like I can embody and there is no doubt because – Honestly, confidence is the most persuasive thing. And if you believe it, you can enable somebody else to believe it. 
But we also want to say, all right, well, what's the stretch? I might not be funny right now, but maybe I want to be funny. Or I might not be whatever the adjective you want to use right now, highly organized. But that's my stretch. That's what I want people to think of. I am the most organized person. So um, step one is really kind of getting clear on what you've got and where you want to get. Mm -hmm. Step two is about collecting data. Okay. So this is where we're going to go and get information that we might not love hearing all of it, but how people actually perceive us right now. And you want to collect it from a lot of different sources. You want to get out there and, and find out what your coworkers, what your past bosses, current bosses, employees, friends, frenemies, Exes is a really interesting source as well. Uh, when, we, <laughs> when we ask the exes a question or the, the frenemies, we are going to ask about our strengths, not just how would you describe me, because we don't really want to hear the full answer. <laughs> right. Uh, family is also a great source of how you're perceived and maybe the things that you don't know. We all have those blind spots. Mine was that I'm a curl twirler. I have very curly hair, and I just can't help it. I'm doing it right now. I just start rolling it around my fingers because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not know until I was probably well into my college years that I did that. And that is not something I really wanted to be part of the portrayal of my, my personal presence and brand. So right. once we collect the data, we're going to compare what we want it to be, what it actually is, and understand where the gaps are. And also understand maybe there's a word in there that we keep getting and they're like, oh, I like that word. I can own that. Or, oh, right. my God, how do I get rid of that word? <laughs> right, and, right. by the way, I had both of those experiences personally. I've had to work on getting rid of a word, and I actually embraced one of the words that I got all the time. So that's the three steps exercise to start to define what you want, and then you have to think about, well, how do I infuse and ensure that that's really part of my interactions with you? I love it. So, and, and I think it's important that, that you have where you are today plus where you want to be. And we, if, if all we wanted was to know where we were today, it would be very simple, but we all have aspirations and where we want to be. I think the other thing, too, to be important uh, to think about is you have to be aware when you're asking people for input the filters that they have on. So a family member may say things about you <laughs> that uh, aren't relevant in other situations and so you need to and, it, and someone who's a friend may say things and not understand that as well so it's important to get a lot of different input and put it together you are so right and that's why you also want to think about how you phrase the questions that you're asking people and, and yep, you know, that absolutely. goes right back to the interview it's it's kind of driving the content that you want to share or that you want to receive so let's go back to the interview. So what can you do during the interview process to market yourself? Because I know a lot of people think the interview is for the hiring manager to ask you questions, but I feel that the interview is as much for you to ask them questions and see if it's a fit as well. So how can you help drive your, your brand and market yourself in that process? Absolutely. It is a two-way conversation. There is vetting going on in both directions. I often say the first interview is for them to decide if they're interested in you, and the second interview is for you to decide if you're interested in them. Right. That said, sometimes you don't get two interviews, and you've got to figure it all out on the first one. Yep. So there's, there's five stages within the interview. And for me, one of the most important stages is that rapport building. That, that is really where we can truly market ourselves, because when we think about that interview, they're only asking three questions. They're asking them in a lot of different ways, but they're really only trying to figure out three questions. Can you do this job? Are you 
qualified? Are you skilled? Do you want to do this job? Does it interest you? Does it, is it a passion right. of yours? And do you fit within the organization, the culture, the team? And that's, that third question is really where the rapport building comes in. Is this somebody I can work late with? Is this somebody that I can argue with? Is this somebody that I can collaborate with? Is this somebody that I can, you know, go to lunch with? And is this somebody who's going to balance my style? One of the things I often teach is to understand that there is (laughs) – now, this works for the interviewee, not the interviewer. There's a similar-to-me bias that happens in these interviews. Mm -hmm. We tend to hire and be attracted to people who are like us. So what happens is we then hire somebody who has our same skill set and we don't have a balanced team and we don't have some of the attributes that we're looking for to fill out and round out our team. And you can use this or you can, you know, have it not work once you're getting there. So (laughs) I always say get the job first then decide if you want it. Uh, When you are in the interview, that fit question, great. It is about the personality, about the rapport. But it's also about understanding and sharing with them why your skill set is a match for where they are. And as to your point about asking questions of them, you might say, so what do you think are the uh, skills that are lacking within the team right now or the skills that you think are most critical to add to the team? Because you don't want to use negative language like lacking. Right. (laughs) And then – you will say, oh, well, I bring that to the table. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you'll always ask someone that you'll have someone who asks, and what, what is the area that you need to improve on or what is your weakness, right? And so candidates are always thinking about, well, how do I take a strength and turn it into a weakness or a weakness turn it into a strength? But, um, yeah, I think part of this is, is being present and responding to what the interview is saying and having a conversation versus having this set of answers in your head that you're trying to figure out when to insert them in the right place. Oh, I had a best um, interview story about that question, that weakness question. We all prepare for it. We're all ready. We know we're going to get it, and we have our canned answer. <coughs> Excuse me. And I gave that answer once in an interview. It was my second job ever after college, and my answer was delegating. Delegating was hard because, you know, it is a weakness not to be right. able to delegate. And, you know, you can easily turn that one to a strength because it's like I want to do it all myself and I'm, you know, driven and all that stuff, you know. Right. And the, the interviewer looks at me and he's like, yeah, I get that one all the time. Give me another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually called the rule of threes. Yeah, exactly. I was a deer in the headlights. I, and I teach interviewers to do this, to ask the same question three different ways to really start to triangulate the truth. And – that's what happened in the interview was I was like, I didn't prepare another one. I'm thinking I tried humor. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not perfect. I have more yeah. than one flaw. You know, he wouldn't let me get off the hook. And he's like, you got to come up with another one before the end of this interview. And I, I tell this story in the book because I, but I couldn't, I was just like, I can't think of one right now. And he's like, okay. And so, you know, we're doing the rest of the interview. And I'm thinking I gotta come up with a weakness. I got to come up with a weakness. And what I came up with is the truth, and this is my best advice for people facing that question. Tell the truth. If you have awareness of where we are lacking and you have a plan for improvement, that is far better than thinking that you have no weakness. Right. <laughs> and that you're blind to the fact that you're driving everyone crazy with whatever this is. 
And my, my answer was, well, if you ask my mother this question, she would tell you that my foot fits very nicely into my mouth very frequently. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually ended up getting that job oh, and taking the job. So, you know, sometimes honesty can go a long way. And, and it's not that it's just, it was true. I still do it to this day, but I've gotten better. And here's what I do to try to prevent it. And it was a great humorous moment. And, you know, truth will get you far. I absolutely agree. Just be careful you know, when you're being truthful. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in a, um, in a good light, yep. So that's something to think about. So, you know, when you get the job, one of the things that, for example, in consulting and and law firms, they want you to get on projects and join sort of a project team. What can you do when you've just gotten hired and you want to get booked on the best projects? What's your recommendation there? This was my life. I worked in an auditing firm. My first job Uh ever was Arthur Anderson. And after that, I worked in a consulting firm. And I didn't know that once you got the job, you actually had to get on the job. So you would be called um, beached, right, like a beached ah. whale. We were, we were beached if we didn't have a project, and that was not going to help your career. So we had to go out and around and find out what projects existed and who was running them and try to pitch ourselves for these projects. I'll be honest with you, I hated it, and it was because I really didn't understand it. Here, here's what I would recommend anybody going into those types of areas is relationship building. Get in the know. Understand who are the gatekeepers of information and bring them jelly beans. Ours was Diane. We would bring her jelly beans, and we're like, okay, what projects are coming up the pike? You know, is this going to be a good one? Is this a lot of travel? Because she knows. And so once you get in all the information, then you can really think about, well, what skills am I trying to build, and how can I add value, and and who would I want to work for? And then you're building relationships with all the people that are assigning projects along the way, and when you go up to them because you chat with them all the time anyway, you can say, hey, I, see, I heard about this project coming down the pike. You know, I'm, I'm really driving to work this type of angle with constitutional law. Would love to help you out with that project. Can I do anything right now for you on it? Even though it hasn't come yet. Yep. You're doing it on the side, non-billable hours, anything I can do. I think what's important, too, is is when you say find those gatekeepers that people have information, they're not necessarily the highest people in New York chart, right? So they're people who are important, who can give give you a good good word and help you out. And they might be an administrator or a project leader, but they're not necessarily the VP or or the CEO. And so it's important to build those relationships with people who've been around and can help you no matter where they are in the organization. You are so right, Diane, the one I mentioned. She was the scheduler. Yep. It was maybe one step above a receptionist um, in terms of, of rank. And, but she was powerful. <laughs> yep, yep. And people listened to her. Yep. So what should you do just in general to build your brand internally? Once you've got the job and whether or not you're on the project, but um, how do you build your brand once you've got the job? That is really going back to the relationship building. I, I've worked with a lot of clients who struggle with relationships more than one level above them. And we don't want to just build relationships one level. We want to build relationships two and possibly even three. You need to think about the different types of relationships you need within an organization. And it's a long list. You need um, champions and mentors and confidants. You need advisors. Those are all actually different roles. 
your mentor doesn't actually need to be somebody in your organization, but they might have influence. They might be a client. Your champion is in your organization, and that's somebody who is going to be pushing for you. They, they think you're great, and they're going to help you get on those projects. They're going to help you navigate. So there's a lot of different relationships and types of relationships that you want to build within the organization. Never Eat Alone, the, you know, that book by Keith Ferrari, right. it, it, it's, it's the concept of ensuring that you are bringing in the relationship building throughout all your interactions. Don't eat at your desk. You know, when you're going to, like, run an errand, does anybody want to go with you? It, you know, find those moments of water cooler that aren't water cooler because I don't think there are water coolers anymore. <laughs> right. Um, so that so that you have that foundation network because people do business with people they like. That's a subtitle to my other book. And it is a lot easier to close a deal to get on a gig when you have the relationship there because people can learn the skills, but they need to bring the attitude. Absolutely. And today this is more complicated because we're not always in that same office physically with around the water cooler. Sometimes we're working remotely or we're on a project team with people all over the country or all over the world. So it becomes more complicated, but you can still build relationships even if you're not sitting in the same office with someone. Skype is my best friend. <laughs> I have had the last two assistants I've had, I've never met either of them live. Yet I feel like they're both little sisters because we Skype once a week. And I've seen their house and their dogs and, you know, <laughs> and my kids will pop into the Skype camera and I'll introduce them and they'll sit on my lap during the call. And so it's, even though we've never met in person, I feel like I've hugged her a million times. There you go. There you go. This is fantastic. Lots of great input here. We've been talking with Michelle Tillis-Letterman, who is the author of Nail the Interview, Land the Job. Michelle, if people want to have more information, find out about your book, where should they go? I'm going to give you loads of links. Uh, I've got free giveaways, so I'm going to give you a bunch of, of options here. If you want to find about me and my work, michelletillisletterman.com is the best place, and there's a link out there to my professional Facebook page, LinkedIn, YouTube, blog, all of the good stuff. Uh, but what I want to do is give your audience some presents, a free interview checklist, a networking assessment, a chapter of the book, lots of goodies. All they do is go to michelletillisletterman.com slash gift pack and they can download all the fun stuff. Gift pack, G-I-F-T-P-A-C-K. You got right? it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. We could talk for hours, but um, I think it's, it's wonderful that you've got all these great um, resources that you're making available. And I, I think the other point before we leave that is important is, is you never stop doing this. You're talking about building relationships, but we're always on. You're always interviewing, and so this is something, even if you're not looking for a job or you're not – thinking about doing something different, um, you need to go out and you need to, to build these skills and know this information. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, Contact us at www.leverage2market.com.